0: Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Welcome. Sorry? Good morning, morning, Helen, specifically for you. Good morning. (laughs) Good morning, everyone. Um, It's great to be with you this morning. Um, My name is Eddie, uh, the vicar here at St. John's, and you're very, very welcome, especially if you're new or visiting us for the very first time. It's great to have you with us um, we're a little bit different uh, in the summer we're just the one service here at 10 o'clock and the children's work is a little bit different from the normal groups but uh, welcome to you all and we really do hope that you enjoy your time with us and particularly if this is your first time so welcome Um, We are are currently, in this summer, uh, working our way through our our vision at St. John's, which is to grow the church and deepen our commitment to Jesus Christ. And if you've not had one of these cards, please do um, grab one of these um, after. And there are three parts to our vision here. And the third one is the one that we're looking at uh, at the moment, uh, which is to build, to, to be purposefully building up disciples. Of Jesus, um, we want to grow in our discipleship, and we've been uh, going through the book of Colossians from the Bible. And uh, uh, Richard, he's down here at the front. Is one of our uh, speakers is going to be speaking to us later from the next chunk. We're really looking forward to hearing more. Um, many of you uh, will know that Hannah and I have been uh, away on a, a beach mission. We go uh, every summer to North Wales, a place called Abbasoch. You've got to say it right, especially if you're there. And uh, um, it's a lovely place. And I just wanted to say a big thank you to all those who prayed for us while we were there. Um, We had a great time. Um, The weather was amazing, but that wasn't the only reason it was great. I've never seen uh, North Wales so warm and sunny. Um, but God, the, the thing that was really encouraging was to know that God is still at work. That beach mission has been there for 110 years, uh, sharing the, the, the good news on the beach uh, in North Wales. And uh, it was encouraging to know that God is at work. We had wonderful conversations with children and family and young people about the good news. And I just want to thank you for your encouragement and for your prayers for Hannah and I and the team while we were there. So thank you for that. Um, Let's begin our our, uh, time together by hearing some verses from Colossians 3. This is from the passage that will be read uh, later and preached on. It says in Colossians 3, verse 15, it says, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace, and be thankful let the message of Christ Christ, dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. As we uh, hear those words, we're, that's exactly what we are doing here this morning as we gather. Um, we are hearing the message of Christ and we hope to be taught by it and admonished by it. We hope to sing about it and be built up and by it as we meet. So as we begin, can I invite us all to stand? Would we please stand where you are? And let me pray as we begin. God, our Father, as we meet um, together in the name of Christ, we pray this morning that the message of Christ would indeed dwell among us richly this morning. As we hear your word, as we're taught by it and admonished by it, we pray that you'll lift our hearts and our minds and our voices to sing of your praise because you have done good work for us in Christ Jesus because of his death and resurrection for us and we praise you for it this morning and we pray that you'll fill our hearts afresh with that good news that we may delight in it and rejoice in it together this morning we pray this in jesus name amen amen Amen. i'm going to hand over to liam in the band
1: who has held Jesus, as we sing, who has felt the nails upon His hand, bearing all the guilt of sinful man, God eternal, humbled to the grave. Jesus bled and died for me. I see his wounds, his hands, his feet. My Savior, that cursed tree. Let's sing that verse again. I cast my mind. Praise Jesus. I cast my mind to Calvary. Where Jesus bled and died for me, He died for us. I see His wounds, His hands, His feet. My Savior, come that cursed tree.
0: O Lord our God, we praise you this morning. We praise you for your Son, Jesus. May our focus and our our gaze be upon him now and always. Amen. Amen. Would like to take a seat? Uh, We come to a part in the service that we call um, Confession, which is uh, about um, turning back uh, to God. And uh, uh, sometimes here at St. John's, uh, we talk about uh, uh, sin, and what, but what does sin mean? Well, um, a simple way of understanding um, sin is when we, we say we, we're shoving, we want to shove God out of the picture. So we say, shove off God, and you can sort of do that action to, to kind of picture. Shove off God, I'm in charge, and no to your ways. That's a very simple way for it we can remember what um, sin is like. Do you, maybe you could follow um, that with me, just if you'd like to do those actions. Shove off God. I'm in charge. No to your ways. That's what sin is like. That's how we think about sin. We want to get God out of the picture. We think that we're in charge of our lives, and we don't want to follow his ways and his rules and his, his perfect and good guidance for us. And so it's right and it's helpful for us just to take a moment um, to turn back to God, to seek his forgiveness, because he he wants to forgive us. He loves us, and he wants us to turn back to him. It says this at the uh, beginning of 1 John. 1 John 1 verse 8 says this, If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. And then it goes on to say, if we claim, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just, and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So let's just take a moment. Perhaps we'd like to just bow our heads in quietness and uh, just uh, take a moment to think about the ways in which we've tried to shove God out of the picture. We've tried to take and charge ourselves, and and the ways in which we said no to his ways. Let's just take a moment to, to draw that to mind and to now turn back to him, because he is faithful and just, and he will forgive us and purify us. Some words are going to appear on the screen. I invite you to say with me the words in bold, save us and help us. God our Father, we come to you in sorrow for our sins, for turning away from you, and ignoring your will for our lives. Father, forgive us, save Save us. us, and help us. For behaving just as we wish, without thinking of you, Father, forgive us, save us, and help us for failing you by what we do and think and say, Father, forgive us, save us and help us. For letting ourselves be drawn away from you by temptations in the world about us, Father, forgive us, save us and help us. And for living as if we were ashamed to belong to your Son, Father, Forgive us, save us, and help us. God, our Father, we thank you for this promise in your word that if we confess our sins, that you are faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. And so, Father, we claim that promise and we thank you and that promise is, is uh, true because of the work of your Son, Jesus Christ, on the cross, dying for us in our place so that we may go free. We just thank you and praise you for your love and for your forgiveness, that we are our chosen and that we are dearly loved and that we belong to you. And you've given us a full inheritance in Christ Jesus. Father, we thank you. And we pray as we go um, into uh, the week ahead, we pray that we would always look to Jesus Christ. That we would not fall back into old ways. We pray that you will help us to walk faithfully with you. That we would live in that newness of life. In Christ Jesus we pray. Amen. The band are going to come up uh, again, and uh, this next song does have some actions with it. So Hannah's uh, around somewhere. She's going to join me at the front. It's called Mighty, Mighty Saving. Perhaps if some of the children, do they want to come up and and join me and Hannah at the front? You're very welcome to join us at the front if you'd like to. Um, So we're going to sing this song. Uh, Let's stand and sing.
1: Someone to cleanse me. No one is pure. No one is righteous in your sight. I need someone to save me. But I'm so glad you died and rose again. For helpless sinners like me. too strong for me to conquer on my own. I need someone to help me. I am too weak. I cannot change my evil heart. I need someone to save
0: mighty saviour we have in Christ. Do you want to take a seat? We're going to um, say together the words of a creed, um, which should appear on the screen. We're going to respond together with the words believe and trust in him. It's one thing to believe, isn't it? But there's another thing to trust in something. Um, we can believe in something, but do we trust something? And of course, that, that is And that we need both, don't we? We need to believe Jesus and we need to trust in him as well. So I invite us to respond. Do you believe and trust in God the Father, source of all being and life, the one for whom we exist? We believe and trust in him. Do you believe and trust in God the Son who took our human nature, died for us and rose again? We believe and trust in him. Do you believe and trust in God the Holy Spirit, who gives life to the people of God and makes Christ known in the world? We believe and trust in him. This is the faith of the church. This is our faith. We believe and trust in one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Father God, we thank you so much for belief and trust. We thank you for the gift of faith. And we pray as uh, the children uh, go into their groups and as we stay, uh, as the adults, the grown-ups stay here, we pray, Father, that you'll help us to see more of Jesus, that we may believe and trust in him. Be with the teachers and helpers in the group, and uh, pray that they'll have fun together. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. So um, this morning, in the summer, the the children are just going to stay as one big group, and they're going over to the Elsie Marshall Hall. If you don't know where that is, um, just go through the back door, uh, and Hannah and the rest of the team will show you where to go. Um, So the children are going to leave now. And for those uh, left, um, please do take an opportunity to say hello to somebody next to you and and greet them. Lots of lovely conversations going on. Do carry them on um, afterwards over tea and coffee. It would be great to do that. Just a couple of um, short notices for you. If you have not had a chance to um, pick up this book... Colossians uh, for you. We've been going through Colossians. There still are a few copies of this book, the really accessible book that you can uh, see on the, the little table at the back on the right. Um, please do uh, uh, take one. They are not £10. They are only £8. <laughs> I'm trying to sort of be the car salesman. It's <laughs> so um, there are some of these. Uh, really help... Uh, consolidate some of the teaching from colossians that we've been receiving um, so uh, the other thing to say is that holiday club meets holiday at home the next one is on the 31st wednesday the 31st do look out for that and also today it's a cream tea So, yeah, who doesn't like a cream tea? It's here in church at 3 o'clock. I've got that time right. You're all very welcome between 3 and 5. Just come along. You don't have to come at the start. You just come along at some point between 3 and 5. I'm told if you happen to have been baking this morning and you you happen to have a cake, (laughs) you can always bring that along. Um, But there will be plenty. uh, And. But do bring, if you've got little ones, snacks for for the little children. That would be really useful. But the main thing is that we gather together as a church family and enjoy uh, one another's company and fellowship together. So 3 o'clock today. Don't miss out. Um, I'm going to hand over to Rose, who's going to come and lead us in a time of prayer. So thank you, Rose.
2: Let us pray. Father God, we give thanks for your presence and for being a listening ear to our concerns and petitions. Forgive us as we fall short in many ways. Help, help us to be selfless, to practice humility, patience, kindness, and love for each other. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for students embarking on new studies. May they be blessed with fortitude, your protection and loving care. We pray for many who are in new situations, relocation and new jobs. May you go before them to prepare a smooth pathway and may they put you, Lord, in the center of their lives and aspirations. We pray for those in dire personal situations that decisions are Christ-led and support is at hand. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for our country and its leaders that good choices will be made by decision-makers. We pray that negotiations will be concluded to end transport strikes. Please steer us out of this world crisis of unrest and instability. We pray for all world leaders to be gifted with wisdom, justice, discernment and compassion. At this time of uncertainty, shine your light on all those suffering that hope and optimism will be powered by the Holy Spirit. We pray for all staff at St. John's and our church family. May they know you are ever present in their lives and that you are their strength, their healing, and their salvation. Let us pause now as we give to you those on our minds who are yet to know Jesus. Those who are infirm in body and mind, those struggling in their everyday lives. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for all those at our church family cream tea later today, that this will be a time of connection and joy. We pray for the children's holiday club and holiday at home for seniors on the 31st of August for friendships to form and deepen, happy times and special memories. We give thanks and pray for all volunteers at these events to be energized and filled with the joy of giving. Uh, We also pray for the walk and bike ride on the 3rd of September uh, for participation and fellowship on this day to Victoria Park. This is in preparation for the Journey event in May next year. We end our prayers with hope and trust that you, Lord, will raise us up into a brighter season. This we pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's say the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done
3: Uh, beginning at the first verse, and you'll find it on page 1184 in the Pew Bible. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your heart on things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming, Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. Bear with each other, Wives, submit yourselves to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not embitter your children or they will become discouraged. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything and do it not only when their eye is on you, and to carry their favour, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Anyone who does wrong will be repaid for their wrongs, and there is no favouritism. Masters, provide your slaves with what is right and fair, because you know that you also have a master in heaven.
4: This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Helen. There's a lot in that, isn't there? Uh, Don't worry, I'm not going to try and speak on it all. Uh, In fact, what I'm going to do is simply draw attention to certain big statements of Paul about how we should live. And then I'm going to leave you to work out how those apply in your lives. And and that means that I'm not going to consider certain things that you might like me to consider. In particular, I'm not going to be considering marital relations, relations with children, uh, uh, or or indeed uh, slavery, or anything like that. Uh, We had a sermon, in fact there were two sermons four years ago back in July 2018, Eddie and I gave them, uh, about marital relations, and if you are interested in thinking about that further, those sermons are still online. And in relation to slavery, I would be very happy to talk about it afterwards, if you would like to do so. But right now, I'm going to focus on the really big picture, and I'm going to do that by describing seven requirements, big picture requirements that Paul mentions. Yeah, no, know, seven's a large number as well. Uh, don't worry, I'm going to focus more on the first two in terms of what I say than the remaining five. But before I do that, let's pray. Father, we pray that you would be with us this morning and enable me to speak clearly, and us all to understand, absorb, and in the future, apply your will for us. Amen. Right, big picture requirement number one. Focus on our hope in Jesus. Take a look at verse one. Since then, you have been raised with Christ... Set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Note, we're called upon to set both our hearts and our minds on the right things. We're called on to set our affections and our thoughts, in other words, our whole beings, on those right things. And what are those right things? Well, they're what Paul describes as the things above rather than earthly things. It's easy to misunderstand what Paul's saying there. He is not saying we should fix our minds on, quotes, spiritual things rather than nasty physical things such that we ignore the world. Uh, Quite clearly, he's not saying that. Most of the passage is concerned with what we do in the world. No, what what he's saying is that we should focus on eternal realities, the wonderful things that are ours uh, as a result of faith in Jesus, and not on mere transient things. And we should live our lives here on earth in the light of those eternal realities. And what are the eternal realities? Well, of course, they're all the things that we've been looking at in chapters 1 and 2 over the past couple of months. And Paul Paul summarizes those in verses 3 and 4. For you have died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. The bottom line is, we don't need to fear death, and with it, condemnation of God, because if we have faith in Christ, and it's it's a big if, but if we do have faith in Jesus, then we've been forgiven by God. We're united with Christ, and we have a great hope. We will be raised with Jesus and participate in his kingdom. Paul said all of that back in chapter 1. God has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light for he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. That's our assured hope. That's what we should set our hearts and minds on. Now, of course, I know that there are many people who attack that or deride it. They suggest that we're being fobbed off with pie in the sky when we die but the answer to that is actually quite simple, and and it's this. People may mock, but actually it is the most wonderful hope in the world, and it is secured by what Jesus has done. Jesus has died for us, and more than that, has been raised to life. He has gone ahead of us. Nevertheless, some Christians, indeed some of you, may worry that if you focus too much on the hope we have, then you'll become so heavenly-minded you'll be no earthly use. And that's a real worry. I understand that. But it misunderstands what Paul's saying. Paul is saying that we should focus our hearts and minds on these things above, focus on our hope, so that we orientate our whole lives aright and are able to live lives in this world, in this physical world, in a way that's pleasing to God. And that takes us on to the second of Paul's requirements. Requirement two, take seriously dealing with your sinful nature. Go to verse five. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Again, when Paul talks about our earthly nature, he is not talking about our physical existence. He's not saying, "Ugh, your physical existence is bad. Get get rid of that. What matters is spiritual things. No, what what, what he's saying is that we should put to death all those things that pertain to our sinful nature, things that are wrong in God's eyes. And what are those? Well, he said it in verses 5 and 8. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, greed, anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language, lying. It's quite a list And there are many similar lists in the Bible. Think about the things Christ says in the Sermon on the Mount. Galatians 5, Ephesians 5, 1 Peter 2. Take a look at them afterwards. Uh, they, they, They overlap. There are many other things listed. And of course other bits of the New Testament expand upon these lists. And did you note that some of the things that Paul mentions are actions, things that we can all observe, things like filthy language or lying. I suppose we can't observe them, but we can hear them anyway. uh, But other things are, are inward. They are attitudes, states of mind, lust, evil desires. But Paul mixes them all up together. He doesn't distinguish strictly between them. And there's a very good reason for that. Uh, Do you remember Christ said that a, a tree bears a particular fruit because of the type of tree it is? You can tell a tree by its fruit, and the same is true of all of this. Why do we do things that are wrong? Well, it's because of indwelling sin, isn't it? It's because of our corrupt natures. It's because they produce the wrong thoughts, and they produce the wrong actions. And and we need to put those to death, to use Paul's expression here. Destroy them, uproot them, rid ourselves of them. But how? Well, you could speak for a very long time on this, but just note a few things. First of all, we need to remember God's holiness and hatred of sin. Paul doesn't pull his punches on this here or anywhere else. Look at verse 6. Because of these, that's all of these these things, because of these, the wrath of God is coming. When the Bible uh, speaks about the wrath of God, it's not referring to God losing his temper. It's referring to something altogether more terrifying. It's referring to God's eternal, righteous, resolute anger about sin and we need to remember that and we also need to remember that we are called upon to reflect God's holiness. Be holy as I am holy. That comes from right back at the beginning of the Old Testament in Leviticus but, but it's repeated in different ways throughout the Bible and repeated expressly in 1 Peter 1:16. 1, God demands that we be holy as his people. And in order to do that, we first of all need to acknowledge the wrongfulness, the sinfulness of the things the Bible describes as wrong and sinful. No circumlocutions, no belittlings, no evasions. I don't know about you, but sometimes when I've done something wrong, afterwards... I, I, I catch myself, almost without realising what I'm doing, gently working up a mental justification for what I've done or, or, or working out mitigation for its seriousness. And I'm quite good at it. I'm a lawyer. I, I, I hope some of the rest... Of, well, I don't know whether I hope some of the rest of you do it. In one sense, I hope you don't, but in another sense, I hope I'm not alone in doing that. But the basic point is this if we do that, we're never going to root out sin in our lives, are we? We're never going to deal with our corrupt natures. We've got to face the sinfulness of sin. We've got to acknowledge that these things are wrong, and we also need to acknowledge that it's not easy dealing with them. There's no quick fix. The battle against sin is going to continue throughout our lives, and we need to employ long-term awareness and determination. And as perf- is perfectly clear from what Paul writes here, we need to exercise willpower in relation to it. But of course, we, we need to make sure that that determination and will is directed at the right target. We need to remember that the issue is our sinful natures, the type of tree we are, not the fruit that's coming out. That's, that's the result of it. And we will never deal with that internal problem by external remedies. Down the centuries, many Christians have tried different techniques for dealing with sin. In particular, they've tried to withdraw from the world in the hope that that will deal with it. The hermits of the first few centuries of the Christian era fall into that category. Others have tried inflicting physical chastisement or or other things on themselves, self or mutual flagellation, wearing hair shirts and the like. Now, at one level, you have to admire the sheer determination and commitment that those things show. But, But actually, they're very sad because they're no use. As as Paul says at the end of chapter 2 and as we heard last week when Nigel was speaking, this harsh treatment of the body lacks any value in restraining sensual indulgence. Lacks any value. And the reason is we need to focus on that that problem, our corrupt natures. And we need to recognise that whilst exercising determination and will is part of the issue. It's not all of it. We sang, actually, earlier. uh, No one is righteous before God. I need someone to help me, is what we sang, and I hope you meant it. But the good news is that we've got that help. Go back to verse 9. After saying, do not lie to each other, Paul says, you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in, in knowledge in the image of its creator. We, 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 As we've turned to Christ, we, we've moved. We, have, we thought about this a couple of weeks ago. Our old selves, that's, that's history. Now we're in a new position, but note, we're being renewed God's Holy Spirit is at work within us to renew us. Yes, we need to exercise determination and effort, but we should be looking to God, looking to God's Holy Spirit to work in us and drawing from, from him. And, and that, that means we should be praying about these things. Uh, and not just in church. Praying as we go about our everyday lives. Praying when we're tempted. Praying when we realise that we've thought something or are doing something Wrong. Back in Romans chapter 8, Paul says, If by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Do you know the combination there? We have something to do, but we have to look to God's Spirit to work within us. And we'll find that a lot easier if we pay attention to the third requirement that Paul mentions, and that is we need to focus on godly actions, attitudes, and in particular, love. Go on to verse 12. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you and over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. If we focus on these things, and on doing these things, it will help us to squeeze out the wrong things in our lives. If, If you have a problem that you tend to gossip about things, maybe a bit backbiting, maybe a bit slanderous, then Focus on compassion and kindness, particularly directed towards people that you may have gossiped about. And I'm very carefully not looking at anyone in the church at this moment. If you have a a, a problem with anger, then focus on gentleness. And in particular, exhibit that gentleness. Really make an effort to exhibit that gentleness to people with whom you are angry. We need to use these things to squeeze out the bad things. And then did you notice that little word therefore at the start of verse 12? As Nigel pointed out last week, there are lots of therefores in this passage. You see, Paul wants us again to act in the context of who we are as Christians, our status as Christians. Remember, he's writing to the church. He in particular has the whole collective group of Christians in mind, and he wants us in that context to focus on the fact that all those who've put their trust in Jesus are on a level playing field. All are part of God's people. Go back to verse 11. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, But Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, etc. Are you a Jew or a Gentile? Doesn't matter. Are you a barbarian or Scythian? That is in contrast to a nice civilised Greek. Forget it. Doesn't matter. Slave or free? Irrelevant. Christ is all and is in all. All who've turned to Jesus are forgiven by God. All who've turned to Jesus have the same hope for the future. All who've turned to Jesus have the same call to serve God, to love God and to love our neighbours. And We need to remember that. We need to apply it in the context of our church here. Paul was talking to the Colossian church but it's written for us as well we need to apply that understanding to all of us here today now of course we could say an awful lot about the detail of what Paul says there in particular what he says about love binding everything together but Paul rushes on and, and, and so will I so let's go to requirement number four Let the peace of Christ rule in the church. Verse 15. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. That is not saying that we should determine how to behave by reference to whether we have a subjective sense of peace in our hearts. It's it's not about guidance in that sense. Paul's thinking about the church collectively, us collectively. We are members of one body who are called to peace. And, and, And what he's saying is this peace of Christ should be the arbiter of our actions in our relationships with one another. We should be aiming for peace in the church. Now, of course, that doesn't mean peace at any price. When writing to the Colossians, uh, sorry, Corinthians, Paul uh, told them to expel uh, a member of the church, and he told them not even to associate with people who claimed to be Christians and were living flagrantly evil lives. When writing to the Galatians, he invoked a curse against people in the church who were corrupting the gospel. No, he was not saying that it should be peace at any price but nonetheless we should be pursuing peace and when there are issues and things we feel strongly about etc then we should reflect on how important they are how even if they are important we should try to pursue them in a way that makes for peace and that does actually lead on to Paul's next point which is we must Allow the word of God to be at the heart of our collective life. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Again, remember Paul's thinking about the church? And he's saying that as you live together as members of the church... Make sure that the message of Christ, literally the word of Christ in the original, make sure that the word of Christ is living among you. And not as it were in the spare room, which you visit occasionally, but right in the heart of all your relationships as the church. And note also that Paul envisages that members of the church will teach and admonish one another. Now, that needs to be done with some sensitivity, but but it is important. We are called upon to learn together, and that does involve, on occasions, challenging one another, and we need to be prepared to do that. Note, the two things go together. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, And let the word of God dwell richly, the word of Christ dwell richly. We need both. We need both the aim towards peace and the aim towards truth. It's right back to something we were thinking about, particularly a year or so ago. We need both grace and truth in the church. And, of course, our model in relation to that is Jesus himself. requirement six verse 17 and whatever you do whether in word or deed do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus whatever you do whether it's in church at home with your family with friends at work at school doesn't matter whatever you do do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus in other words do it as Jesus's representative and with his authority can imagine that if you think about that for a moment, some of you will think, well, hang on a moment. I don't have Jesus's authority for everything I do in my life. But there are two points that need to be made in relation to that. The first is this. If you do doubt that you have Jesus's authority for doing something, then don't do it. The Bible says that anything that doesn't proceed from faith is sin. That's Romans 14, 23, if you want to check it afterwards. Now, I know that raises all sorts of questions, and we certainly can't expect express guidance for each and everything we do in our lives. It doesn't work like that. Nonetheless, we need to be examining ourselves and making sure that, in a general sense, we do have God's authority. For doing things. This is an important principle. And then the second point is this God is interested in all of our lives. We can't divide our lives into those bits where we're serving Christ and those bits where we're not doing so. We need to be seeking to serve Christ in everything. And that, of course, is where all of these specifics about marital and other family relationships and about slaves, etc come into the picture they are examples of the big principle that Paul has enunciated whatever you do do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus what he says relating to slaves is particularly striking go on to verse 23 whatever you do work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord not human masters slaves you don't have any choice in what you do you, you, you're not doing what you're doing voluntarily, and a lot of it's very unpleasant in many cases. Indeed, you may hate it, but work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not human masters. It's part of your Christian service. Now, that is hugely important for us in our attitude to our work and in our attitude to our whole lives. Whatever you do work at it with all your heart as serving the Lord, not human masters. Now, I wish I could talk much more about that. Indeed, I I frequently do, but there is a slight problem, which is my normal talk on that subject lasts 25 minutes, and I don't think you'll want to hang around for all of that. But it's hugely important. Whatever you do, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus as his representative, with his authority. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not human masters. Let's judge our lives in the light of those. And then, finally, requirement seven. Give thanks in everything. I wonder whether you noticed that when I quoted verses 15, 16 and 17, I left something out on each occasion. Verse 15, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts and be thankful. Verse 16, let the message of Christ dwell among you richly, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. Verse 17, and whatever you do, do it all in the name of the Lord, giving thanks to God the Father through him. The danger with this, is that the Bible tells us to do this so often, we will just skate over the surface. Yeah, 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 we need to give thanks. Thanks, fine, you that, move on. And I'm sure we do give thanks when we're in church. We've done it today, and I'm sure we all meant it. But, but do you give thanks all the time in our, your everyday lives? That's what verse 17 there is talking about, and indeed verses 15 and 16 as, as well. I know... If I ask myself, do I do that? The answer is, sometimes, but well, not very often, really. And and, and I need to do better, and, and I suspect most of us need to do better. We really need to remember that whatever we do, we need to do it giving thanks to God the Father through Jesus, as it says here, And it's important for for, for another reason as well. Uh, It's important because it ties together the other things that Paul has been talking about in this chapter three. In fact, it takes us right back to that first requirement that we focus on our hope in Jesus. You see, If we focus on our hope in Jesus, then that will help us with all the other things that Paul has spoken about. And in particular, if we really do focus, I'm sure it will result in us giving thanks to God. But as we give thanks to God, we will necessarily focus on our hope in Jesus. And as we do that, we will be able to do the other things better as well. So you get a virtuous spiral going on. I must finish. There's a lot in Colossians chapter 3, but it's that first and that last point that links it all together. Focus on our hope in Jesus and give thanks in everything. That provides a framework. And if we observe those things, it will orientate our lives in the right way. And we will be able to live lives that are pleasing to God I suspect that you, like me, think there's quite a lot in there to reflect on. Amen.
1: Richard, thank you very much for preaching God's word to us. We're going to stand and we're going to respond in song. So I can invite you to stand and we'll sing together. God's word to us this is what he says he says when Christ who is your life appears then you also will appear with him in glory that's our hope let's, let's praise him for that now let's sing He died overweight. Sin has on me no claim, no claim because he Eternity is one for me, my hand's eternal king. Robed with immortality, before his throne,
0: Under which of those seven big picture issues that Richard mentioned really has stuck out to you this morning? Is it focusing on our hope in Jesus? Maybe it's taking seriously dealing with our sinful nature. A need for focusing on godly actions and particularly love. Knowing that peace of God that rules in the church? An acknowledgement of the word of God to be at the heart of our collective time together? Or is it we need to see that we need to do all things in the name of the Lord Jesus? Giving thanks in everything. Let's just take a moment quiet as we close to, to bring our thoughts the way that the Lord has been speaking to us this morning through His Word. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you have any grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. And so, Father, we come before you and ask that we would indeed put on love, all that we've heard from your word this morning. We pray that you would so fix our eyes on you, that we may see the love that you've shown us more clearly in your son Jesus coming into this world to die for us, to forgive us, forgive us forgive to restore us. Thank you for that love. May we gaze more and more on that hope that we have in Christ, that it would be him that changes us and moulds us and makes us more like Christ. And so may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. Um, Thank you for coming and uh, see you at the cream tea, which I think involves strawberries.